Welcome to Clearway Capital Solutions' new podcast series. I'm Dennis Mathanias from Clearway Capital Solutions, and I'm joined by Maktada Mohammed, co-founder and managing director, and Blake Amit, managing director of Abitrium Capital Partners, a private credit specialist manager, to answer 10 plus one questions about Abitrium Capital. As some of you might know, Clearway Capital works closely with Abitrium Capital in helping to grow and maintain their business in Australia and New Zealand. Magdata, very briefly, tell us about the history of Arbitrium Capital and what it does. Sure. Thanks, Dennis. Uh, Arbitrium has been around for 16 months now. Um, we started in September 2020, um, and uh, um, Arbitrium is a credit fund that specialises in opportunistic credit and special situations uh, credit uh, transactions. Uh, we only uh, look at uh, or seek loans in um, Australia and New Zealand, uh, and uh, we look to add value through our um, through our uh, operational turnaround capabilities aside from just our structuring capabilities. What is the market opportunity of Bitrim is hoping to take advantage of? Um, Dennis, I'd sort of say it really follows that whole thematic that, you know, the, the major banks are really withdrawing from sort of mid-market corporate lending. So non-bank lenders such as Abitrim's filling that sort of void that, you know, we, we sort of see it that, you know, above 100 million Australian dollars, there's plenty of international players that, you know, will, will get involved in those sort of assets. But once you get below 100, 100 million Australian dollars down to about $20 million, which is our sort of target market, that's where the opportunity is. Um, so it's really that 20 to $100 million Cash flow lending is really the opportunity we see, and we see it for, for years to come. Are there any points of difference between Arbitrum and other private credit special situation managers? Arbitrum has three key points of differences with um, other private credit or special situations managers. Um, and I think these, these uh, fall under um, the team's active management of, uh, of the investments and our location and our deal sourcing capabilities. Um, so when I when I say um, our active management, uh, it's not that the team uh, stops after the heavy involvement during the due diligence process before a deal is closed. Uh, but but after a deal is closed um, and the investment has begun, the team is actively involved throughout the life of the investment. Um, this is maintained by uh, weekly meetings with the borrowers management team, um, reviews of uh, trading performance on a weekly basis. Uh, um, reviews of uh, of the weekly cash flow uh, cash flows uh, um, over the life of the of the project, and Arbitrum's main priority is capital preservation um, for its investors. And um, so, the active involvement um, in our in our investment business or in the borrowers um, allows us to identify any issues um, and then mitigate those issues in time. And um, from a the location is is another advantage that uh, that that Arbitrium has um, to other special sets of private credit uh, managers. Um, we are domestically based, and therefore we have boots on the ground. Um, and given our investments uh, or our borrower uh, borrowing uh, entities are all uh, based in um, Australia or Zealand, um, it allows us uh, to to go and um, conduct our due diligence in a more detailed manner with with these businesses. Um, also, given the domestic location of the fund, um, there is no currency hedging required to, uh, to the investors here. Um, and finally, our deal sourcing is another key differentiator um, where the Arbitrium team uh, are able to source good quality deals 
ahead of other credit special uh, credit funds or special assets managers uh, due to the team's uh, direct relationships with banks, advisory firms, and C-suite executives at mid-market corporates. Um, that allows us to get first look at uh, at, at a number of uh, good quality deals. How important is culture at a bedroom? Yeah, Dennis, it's really, really very key. Well, it's sort of not written. It's certainly said that, you know, we're a Melbourne, Sydney-based um, credit manager. Each one of us must have worked or known each other previously. So that's that's the mantra of, of Abitrium. So obviously, you know, Muktada and, and Daniel being the founders, you know, worked together at Deloitte's. My last role of head of asset management, I was a client of Deloitte's, therefore met sort of Muktada, and then it, it goes all the way through, you know, to our chair, um, the, uh, the our investment committee members and, and even our advisory board. Each one of us has either worked or knows yeah, everybody in the team. So, And that will be the way as we build out the fund. Is it becoming more difficult to deliver alpha? Not at the moment. Uh, we sort of see that you know there there is that market opportunity. There's not many players in these sort of uh, opportunistic credit and, and special situations credit. So we sort of have the market to ourselves, so we can deliver that sort of alpha. We've really got some first mover uh, pricing advantage. So you see that in each one of our transactions. Plus, we also you know we, we get these are active credits. We get heavily involved in each one of our borrows. So that even helps deliver from, from not only just looking at the loan and the, the, numeral, the numerous sort of financial covenants, but getting involved operationally on each one of these borrows really is, you know, it, it's, it's sort of testament to the returns we can achieve for our investors. That, that operational involvement is, is a point of difference, isn't it? Yeah, it really is when you sort of see each one of our bios that, you know, we've been involved in equity debt turnaround. So we, we actually do roll up the sleeves and we, we know each one of these credits uh, well and truly rather than just quoting, you know, what an EBITDA or, or interest cover ratio it is. We can actually tell you the, you know, each one of their, their own sort of uh, business opportunities and the, their points of difference. So it, it is a key, key, key point for Abitrium. What can private credit contribute to a multi-asset portfolio? So uh, we think private credit does is it, it provides a running yield because each of our investments have that coupon aspect, which gives you a running yield, a quarterly distribution. Um, and then there is an upside through, uh, through the enhancements we put into the, into, the, into the structure, and that could be a warrant or a convertible. Um, that upside only comes at exit, but during the, the, the loan uh, investment period, um, you still investors receive that quarterly uh, yield. What is the biggest risks to the portfolio? What typically keeps you up at night? As mentioned, um, the main aim of the Arbitrum Fund is capital preservation for its investors. Um, so what keeps us uh, up at night is, is the unknown. Um, and by that, we mean that any unknown risk uh, that, that, that could affect uh, um, an investment um, or either, either at a point in time or over the life of the investment. Um, for example, take, take into account the macroeconomic risks brought about by the Russian-Ukrainian war um, and, and that impact on, on our investments. We have an investment in our portfolio um, that, is, uh, that has a small exposure um, uh, as a result of that war. So it's that sort of um, unknowns that could never have been predicted um, uh, and, and, and what uh, impact that can have on our investments. Um, now, what we now what we mean uh, aim to do is to immediately then work out mitigation strategies uh, for for any uh, any risks 
fight this. Um, but, but that essentially is the, the biggest risk to the portfolio is these unknowns and, and how do we immediately then, how does the team mitigate them uh, working with the borrower's management team? But, um, and Dennis, I'm interested in your thoughts on that comment. We, we did speak about this morning about what keeps you up at night. So we try to get through the capital preservation story. Mm. And then up at night is, yeah, look, you know, we talked about yeah, we're going to cover everything we know right now when we do an asset, but it is the unknown. And, you know, yes. you know, you know, we just came back from Sweden last week. So uh, one of our investee companies has got, I think, it's 4% of its you know, revenue. It's, it sells mining rigs and, and consumables, you know, that, that is now a force majeure, so it's going to affect that mm. transaction. It's not major, but it's the things you don't know when you write loans for three to four years. So that's that's part of where the thinking came from, that, that sort of response about what keeps you up at night. Yep, yep. Okay. No and, and his current it was good to bring that up as well. I mean, uh, if, I, if you think of our uh, – Blake made a good point this morning about our prone investment, you know, it could be hit by a prone disease in, in a year or two's time. So you just don't know. You, we, try to, we try to capture it in our investment papers, but we just don't know. Hmm. Yep, yep. How are environmental, social governance factors integrated into the process? Oh, look, it's a very big part of it. You know, I've been involved in private credit for a couple of years and, and initially ESG, everyone just thought it was, you know, environmental and coal um, and, and possibly, you know, sex industry, but it's got a lot bigger than that. It's every aspect to it. When we first socialise an opportunity, it's front and centre and obviously in our investment process, we spend a lot of time and to, to get IC approval, we've got to cover off on each aspect of, of, of ESG. Um, and like I said, it's not just environmental, the social and governance is getting bigger and bigger and that can quite often be, you know, human slavery when it comes to one of our aquaculture deals or hospitality. But um, yeah, every aspect, and it's not just initially doing a loan and putting it into the fund, it's also the renewal process, meaning the annual review process that um, if it's a four-year loan, it means for four times at least we're reviewing the ESG policy of the borrower. Does Abitrum believe ESG can add value or, or reduce risk? Yeah, oh, it, it definitely does. I mean, it helps the borrower understand it, but also, you know, we're a, an investor-facing uh, credit funds, so they expect that our wholesale inspect, uh, investors expect that. So it does it does add, uh, add value. You know, when we sort of touch on the points that we need to cover off on, it certainly helps. Um, certainly helps the borrowers when it comes to re- reducing risk. I'd sort of say the risk. You know, Muktada has mentioned about the downside risk of the loan, but the risk we've got to look at because we have loan repayments and equity components, what we need to think about in 2022 when a loan expires in 2025, what's the ESG landscape going to be like then? So that's the risk that I'd cover off on from an investor. We need to, you know, have a a look of what the ESG lens will be in in three years to come. So it'll it'll be all those parts of ESG. So that's certainly, if we don't do it now, that, that sort of would be a risk for our investors and our expected returns at maturity of one of these assets. Uh, Bitrim has just started engaging with Australian and New Zealand investors. Um, how are those discussions progressing? Good, good. We've got, we got lots of uh, lots of meetings. Uh, still, unfortunately, still by Zoom and Teams, but that'll change as we can travel travel more. But um, yeah, a lot of you know, obviously we've got high net worth individuals, family offices, and now you know this calendar year we're also speaking to pension or super funds. Um, so we've got a lot of those. A lot of it's an educational piece. Um, private credit's very well known in Europe. And America, not so much in Australia. So we really had to, you know, identify the market opportunity, but also say that hey, there are players such as Abitrim in that market. So 
we're getting a good ear, ear on that. Um, they ask, really have to understand that we don't do anything too mysterious, that we're really taking positions that are downside protected, but it's really a position a bank would normally take. So, um, yeah, so that's a, that's a um, well-received comment. And also, you know, they're going fairly well because people, apart from, you know, worldwide issues from an equity point of view, are really looking at defensive nature of their portfolios of private credit and alternatives um, is probably the reason why we're getting a fairly good hearing from that. Sure. And and what is Abitrium's medium-term uh, outlook for the asset class? So we we find that this there's a there's a strong um, pipeline of opportunities that we're seeing, um, and we think that those opportunities or that pipeline will remain strong in the medium term, uh, particularly because um, as as uh, as banks continue to retreat from this uh, mid market um, area where where the corporate where the credit, uh, corporates don't meet the credit risk. Uh, criteria for banks, um, as well as some non-bank lenders, um, I think we have that ability to go to to, to take on a little bit higher um, leverage um, uh, metrics for these uh, corporates, um, which we're seeing that there will be more opportunities um, there. Thank you, Blake. Thank you, Matana. Dennis, thanks. Thanks for the thanks, time. Thanks, Dennis.